Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys here today, whether you are in our Bearden location, watching online or here in Maryville. If you've got a Bible, let's go to Psalm chapter 78. As you have heard, we're in a series called This Is Us, and we're really walking our way through the core values of Foothills Church. These are the things that make FCFC. Uh, These are the things that unify us. These are the issues and the focus that we uh, are passionate about. And so we hope we as a church can rally around these and and, uh, begin to uh, just increase that energy and focus toward them. Today, we're going to focus on this statement that is this, the next generation matters. And uh, we say that all the time. And today I want to focus on why the next gen really matters to us and why they should matter to you uh, today. And to start, we want to just kind of identify that no matter where you're at, no matter how old you are, the next generation for you is the generation or generations that are coming up after you. And so obviously, if you are older today, that makes sense. But if you are in middle school or you're in high school or you're in college and you're watching, you're listening, you're engaging, I wanna encourage you to begin to think and act like a spiritual father and spiritual mother as well as you look at those younger generations that are growing and developing uh, behind you. And so that's our, our focus today when we talk about the next gen. It's not just your kids. I mean, I hope you care about your kids and, and your grandkids. And, and, uh, but my issue for you today is that you wouldn't just care about your own family, but that you would care about your, your children's friends and your, your, the, the classmates that your kids go to school with. And, and maybe it's your grandchildren's friends. And, and just as a whole, as a church, that we would care about this next generation that is growing up and developing, and that we would take it upon our shoulders as a church, that we would partner together and invest into them so that we might, as a church, lead and leave a spiritual legacy in those lives. And so the next generation matters, but let's do a quick overview of all of the generations you might find yourself in. Uh, The first generation we're gonna talk about is what's dubbed the greatest generation, right? From, they were born from 1901 to 1924. So these were the folks that went through World War II. They were, they were killing Nazis overseas. And uh, they also went through the Great Depression and, and uh, they had children. It was a very tumultuous time in the life of our country. Uh, greatest generation. The next generation is called the silent generation. So the children of the folks that were in the war, so they actually grew up in the Great Depression, 1925 to 1942 is when they were born. And so the silent generation, uh, they knew the value of hard work. Uh, They were very cautious with their money because when you are raised in the Great Depression, that influences the rest of your life. Uh, But they also began to see some economic growth in our country. And and as the economic growth began to develop as they came out of the Great Depression, they all started feeling safe enough to have a lot of kids. And so you are familiar with the baby boomer generation. How many of you guys are in the baby boomer generation, 1946 to 1964, all right? Plenty in the room today. And so this was a generation that experienced unprecedented prosperity in our country and had never been seen in the history of the world. Very strong work ethic, very goal-oriented. Uh, uh, this is a, a generation that went through Vietnam and, and uh, Woodstock and, and, and all of that. And, and 
they started having kids and then they had, this, these are my parents. And so I am a generation Xer, 1965 to 1980. And so uh, this Gen X group was also dubbed the MTV generation uh, because that was the, the latest and greatest at that time in, in, in culture uh, for young people. And, and then hip hop and rap music was introduced to the world. Big Hair and Cheers was the number one show on television. How many Gen Xers are with me today? All right, that was a great generation. And then the next generation is uh, the Generation Y, often called the millennial generation. And so sometimes called the me generation because they tend to focus on themselves more so than um, previous generations. So 1981 to 1996, how many millennials in the room? All right, wow, all over. We got a lot of millennials here today. Great group as well. Catch a lot of flack, but we got to think about what they've kind of grown up in. They had the internet they're the first generation to ever, you know, be familiar with and know that this, this is like a reality. Uh, they also grew up with uh, safety helmets. And so that played in <laughs> to their, we didn't know what that was back in my day, right? All right. Generation Z, my kids, 1997 to 2012. How many Gen Z's in the room? There's lots of Gen Z's in the room. All right. So uh, in college and maybe a little bit older. Um, and, and so Gen Z's, this is a group, when you think about them, like they were the first group to not know what it is like to not have the internet. They're the first generation to not know what it's like to have social media. The first generation to not understand or, or, or know that UT used to have a good football program. <laughs> I know you won big yesterday, way to go, right? Don't need me to take the wind out of your sails, but, but think about it. Like my kids, they, they have no clue like that Tennessee used to be good. Uh, they have no clue what it's like to be without social media or, where, or what it's like to, to not have the internet. Huge factor in their uh, generation. Then we also have the next one is Generation, generation Alpha, so uh, 10 years old and, and younger, and so we don't know much about them at all. But they are growing up, and we just spent, uh, invested a lot of money for them. Amen. And so we created that space for that group, and so we're excited about how God is going to use that. And so um, what I want to encourage you with is oftentimes we look at this list and, and we immortalize previous generations, right? I mean, their name is the greatest generation for crying out loud, right? We immortalize these generations and then sometimes we demonize the younger generations. You know, I, I know if you're, uh, you know, at least as old as I am or older, there has been a time where you have said, oh, back in my day, right? Back in my day, you know, we didn't have holes in our jeans. We sewed them up, we patched them up, right? Back in my day, we had to walk to school, uphill, both ways, <laughs> in the snow. You know, th this generation, they're like, well, we're smarter than you guys, we cancel school. <laughs> it's snowing outside, we ain't going to school, right? That's, that's just not wise. So we sometimes, we're gonna, we're gonna tend to look at the negative in the next generations and we're, we're gonna immortalize sometimes previous generations. But what I wanna encourage you to do from this day forward as a partner and, and a tender at Foothills Church is that you would start seeing the next generation as a solution. 
You see, we're in a very tense time in our country. And right now we have a lot of people that are super hyper critical about everything that is going on. And sure, there are a lot of tensions and a lot of problems in our country, but what we do is we are inundated with uh, information in the news and, and, and our phones are, are constantly notifying us of the latest you know, scandal. And so what happens to us if we're not careful, even as people that love Jesus, is we start to look at life through that lens and we're super critical and negative about our country. We're super critical and negative about the next generation. And so that mentality though impacts the next generation in a negative way. What we wanna start doing is have, have um, uh, an approach that would be such that we would see the next gen as a solution to the ways in which we are messing up the country and, and, and the world needs light and truth in the community. So if we're people of faith, and, and we are, right? then we would believe that God is in control. We would believe that God is raising up a generation and God is gonna raise them up through our effort and energy and, 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 and our intentionality to press into them this gospel and how it impacts their heart, which then impacts the community around them, which then impacts the countries and the cities and the communities that we are a part of. And so I wanna encourage you to look at the next gen as a solution. And if they are a solution, then it means that you and I have to get busy. In Psalm 78, God specifically tells us how we can invest in the next gen. Let's take a look at it together. Remember, this is a song. He says, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Well, this gives us so much insight. Uh, it tells us that the next generation matters and it tells us how we as older um, generations in the room need to impact and invest in this next generation. And so he starts by saying, I will open my mouth and I will share, verse two, dark sayings. Now, literally that translation means weighty truth. So heavy truth, important truth, right? And so if you wanna take some notes down today, I would say the next gen needs weighty truth. And so for you and I, sometimes as older generations, we tend to stray or, or we tend to, tend to ignore the weighty truth and we just wanna talk about the easy truth. You know, just be honest, right? It's easy to say be honest and don't lie, but it's a little bit harder to talk about the reality of hell. Maybe, maybe because a conversation is awkward that we, we tend to stay away from the weighty truth. Maybe because we think where the kids aren't old enough, we shouldn't share such powerful truth like the reality of hell. 
And so for whatever reasons, we have to overcome that and realize at the appropriate age, we need to communicate and be willing as a church and as parents, as grandparents, the weighty truth of God's word. And so, yes, talk about the gift of sex, but yes, talk about how sex outside of marriage is dangerous. Yes, talk about the problem of evil and why there is suffering in the world. Yes, we wanna get to these heavier theological truths that all men are created equal, that every life, whether born or unborn, is valuable and seen in the eyes of God as a man or woman created in the image of God. We need to teach the weighty truth of God's word. We are not just teaching our values. We are not just teaching good moral you know, understanding of the world. This is the truth of God's word that has stood the test of time. We should not be afraid of the truth that is in here. We should not shy away from the truth that is in here. You should not be embarrassed. It should not be awkward. As men and women of God, we stand on the word of God. It is the truth that will transform your heart and transform your life. Every aspect of your life will be impacted for the good of God's glory and for the blessing of your family if you live by it. And so we need to be a people of God's truth and we need to be willing to stand up for it. Jesus actually quoted verse two in Matthew 13 about, uh, he says, I will use these parables and these sayings to talk about these dark sayings or these weighty truths. And that's what Jesus did. He would tell a parable and that was essentially a story that had a point. It taught a lesson. And it was always a story that related to the common people. Like, like everybody could relate to farming at that time. It was a farming community. And so he would tell stories or parables about the parable of the sower, right? And so as we think about how are we gonna share this truth, then I would say, use the stories of Jesus. It's very easy. Like go to the parables and use these parables, you know, memorize the, 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 the story and then understand the point. And that is a lesson to teach your kids. Uh, story is a very powerful method and way to uh, share God's truth. And I encourage you to model Jesus in that. Verse three, he says, these are things we have known. And so the reality is the writer of this Psalm, Asaph, um, he, would, he would have known that all the Jewish children would have been raised hearing the stories of Abraham and Moses and the Exodus and Passover. They had heard these stories. And so he's like, hey, th this isn't new stuff. You've heard this, you know this, except for there's a difference between knowing the story and actually living by the truth of a story. And that's where they had got it wrong. They knew the stories, but it hadn't changed their life. And so for some of you, you're kind of in this position. Maybe you know the story of the gospel. You know the story of, 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 of you know, the Old Testament passages. But has it transformed your life? Have you actually started to live by the lessons that they teach? For some of you, maybe you were raised in a family. You, di you didn't hear the stories. And so the good news for you is you get to be a chain breaker. You get to flip the script. You get to say, you know what? I didn't get this, but I'm going to give it to my kids. In fact, in verse 3, he says, you heard this from your fathers. And some of you would say, I didn't hear it from my father. My father was a silent father. He didn't really go to church or maybe I went to church, but he didn't really talk about spiritual matters. 
Some of you didn't even have a dad in your life. And so you read that and you're like, no, dad didn't tell me. I don't know the stories. But again, I say you can change your future. You can, you can flip the script for your kids and for your grandchildren and for the next generation in this city and in Knoxville and Maryville that we would be, the, the, we would have this idea that we would begin to think like a spiritual father and a spiritual mother and that we would begin, even, even if you're in your 20s, right, that you would be thinking this way, how can I invest the truth that I know, the things that I have heard, the things that I have learned into the next generation. You've got to get started thinking like a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. Even if you are single, even if you don't have any kids, this is what it means to care about the next generation. In verse four, it says, we will not hide them. We will tell them. We will tell the coming generations. Now, what's interesting about this is nobody in here, I dare say anybody would say, well, I don't really care about the next generation. I don't really care about you know, teaching my kids how to live right. I mean, if you're here today, if you're watching, like you care about that. But what happens to us if we don't have a plan is that we just simply get busy with work and we get busy with life. And then all of a sudden our kids are teenagers and all of a sudden, you know, they're graduating from college and they're gone. Like it happens like that. And, and, and so it's easy for us to get so locked in on day-to-day grind that we, we miss this next point. And the next point is that the next gen needs intentional lessons. They need you to be intentional, grandfather, grandmother. It's not just come over and we're gonna eat all the candy and you know, make you know, their parents mad and stay up late. It's, it's like, no, this is an intentional time. Moms and dads, this is an intentional time. Like, if you're a leader of, of students or, or kids ministry, this is intentional time. It's, a, it's planned. To be intentional means there's a plan, there's a system, you've thought about it. Because it doesn't just happen by osmosis. Like our kids don't just learn God's truth or learn good morality just simply by living in your house. You need a plan. Some of you are in business and so you're gonna relate to this. Like you get this, people report to you, you're, you're running things and you've got lots of people that are looking to you for leadership in the office. Now, in the office, do you make it a habit to kind of walk around and, and kind of see how people are messing up and when they mess up, just kind of yell at them and shame them for about 10 minutes and then walk away? <laughs> Probably not. That's not good business leadership, is it? It's not good organizational leadership. Why do we parent like that? <laughs> it's like, we, if we were honest, we're more reactive than proactive as parents. So we react when the bad report card comes in and, and we shame and guilt and yell for 10 or 15 minutes. And then what do we do? We don't talk about grades until nine weeks later when the next card comes out. <laughs> I told you last time, right? We're just more reactive. We don't talk about the dangers of alcohol with our kids until we catch them at a party. We don't talk to them about the dangers of premarital sex until we realize they're sexually active. Right, the reality is we need an intentional plan. We need a, a system, we need a, a, a thoughtful plan to train, just like at work. You've got a training program to train the people that work for you. You train them, you equip them. Then there's ongoing coaching. So there's a regular meeting with them. You probably have a weekly meeting or a bi-weekly meeting. You probably have quarterly performance reviews or maybe at least twice a year you're doing a review with them. And what are you doing in that review? You're, you're coaching them up. 
hey, you're doing great here, but this is where you know, you're really struggling and, 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 and why we want you to grow in this area. That's good leadership. Parents, we have to start thinking in terms of spiritual leadership and we need a plan. We, we can't just rely on, on them just kind of catching and hearing because the world is filling their ear consistently. They're, they're looking at their phone eight hours a day. Right? They're watching Netflix, they're, they're learning how to date, they're learning about sexuality, they're learning all of these things from culture and, and we're just clocking in and clocking out at work, worried about making the next buck. And it's like, why is, what are we doing? We need a plan. We need good rhythms in our life. And so we turn to Deuteronomy 6 to give us a really helpful plan. Um, God says this in, in chapter um, six, verse six. He says, these words I command to you today shall be on your heart. So he's talking to the older generations and he's like, the, the word of God, the truth of God needs to be on your heart. You've got to care about it. We as an older generation, we've got to care about the word of God and we've got to cherish it and treasure it and love it and want more of it. And we, we don't have enough of it. And so we're, we're grasping for the truth of God, the, the deep weighty truths of, of reality and life that every generation faces and, 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 and every generation questions. And, and we see answers in the word of God. He says, I want you to, to, to make these on your heart. In verse seven, you shall teach them diligently to your children. So diligent, now we're talking about intentionality here. Now we're talking about a plan. And so he gets into the plan. He says, teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when? When you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. What is he saying? He's, he's saying be intentional. So when you sit at home, when you're sitting at home to eat dinner, turn the TV off, turn off the cell phones and, and talk about life. And you don't have to whip out your Bible and preach a three point message and end with a good poem. You just need to ask them questions about life. And, and, and prayerfully, when you go into that, ask God's spirit to give you wisdom as you talk and then as things are talking, and, and as, as conversations are moving, now you're able to guide and you're coaching and, and you're asking questions. And, and this is what it looks like when the word of God is on your heart and you're teaching them diligently to your children. This is the plan. You've got dinner time, you've got drive time. He says, when you walk by the way, now we don't walk a lot of places. If you're walking in the neighborhood, that's a great thing, but, but I would relate this to drive time. So when you're in the car and you're driving, because we all know as parents, we are professional you know, Uber drivers and, you know, chauffeurs to our kids all over the city. And so as we are driving, use that time to have conversations. Don't just crank up the, you know, the radio. Um, have this as a, a, a momentous time to where you can pour into their life. If, you're, if you've got little ones um, and you don't have the FC app, you don't have the, the Parent Q app, you need to talk to our volunteers about that this week because those are resources where what we're learning here, uh, your kids are learning here, you can use all throughout the week. If you're not on the newsletter from our student pastors, get on that student um, uh, newsletter because uh, parents are informed through that. This is what they're talking about on Wednesdays and this is how you can further that conversation at home. You got drive time, you got dinner time, you got bedtime when you lie down at night, he says, this is crucial. 
like discipleship time for your littles. Like I, I'm not putting my 16 year old to bed anymore. Like that ended a long time ago. Um, so for me, uh, with teenagers, like it's one-on-one time. So it's coffee, it's dinner, it's lunch, it's breakfast. It's me being one-on-one with them. But littles, uh, bedtime is crucial time. Tell the Bible story, pray. I know you wanna get them in bed so you can go hang out and breathe for a minute. But that is the most important hour, I would say, or 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes of your day to pour into them diligently. So bedtime, when you rise, so the early mornings are usually hard, aren't they? It's like we're rushing out the door, we're tired, we're grabbing everything. And it's like, how can we create a morning experience that isn't tumultuous, that isn't you know, terrible and rushing around screaming? How can we get to a point to where um, there's gonna be seasons where that's happening, but can we get to a place to where we send our kids out with some energy that is positive, right? And then he says, put visible signs and reminders, right, on your house, on your hands, right? So, so this was the physical, uh, physical reminder of what they were doing and what they serve and who they worship. And so I would say if, you, if, if someone walked into your house, could they tell that you love and serve the Lord? Like, like what is in your house that's distinct that, that points your kids, okay, this is what we're doing or this is who we are, or what we're following. And I'm not saying you gotta put crosses all over the place, but maybe you would just think about intentionally putting some things out that would remind you, that would remind them, like this is who and what we are doing. This is what it looks like to have a good plan. This is what it looks like to be intentional as a parent. And so there's, there's good rhythms that we get into. Obviously, um, a family devotion is a great thing to get into. Again, especially with elementary kids, like gathering your kids, sharing stories, praying together. Um, th- that's prime time. You know, maybe at least once a month that you would try to do something like that to kind of gather them around. Again, with mine as teenagers, it's more one-on-one um, that I invest into them. They need consistent godly leaders in their life outside of you. So that means consistently being, part, uh, being a part of a church that cares about the next generation. So I would encourage you moms and dads, grandparents to convince your teenagers like to be connected, like here on Sunday morning, yes, but also during the midweek on Wednesday nights. This, this is an opportunity for your students to hear the hard truths and the, and the powerful truth of God's word taught to them in a way that they might understand it a little bit easier. And then at the same time, then they're breaking off into a small group and now they've got an, a godly leader that's pouring into them. I mean, that godly leader is gonna say the same thing that you would say, mom and dad, except for there's one big difference. Your kids actually listen to them. And you need that, especially in the teenage years. Man, you need that. Uh, for, for kids, like the consistency for your kids to be next door with those godly leaders and they're investing into them. And then throughout the week, you're following up with those conversations. That's what it looks like to be intentional as a parent, pouring into your kids. Now, our pastors, our, our, our student leaders and, and kid leaders, like they're, they're not gonna be able to you know, change your kid. Like if, if your kid doesn't wanna be discipled, they're not gonna be able to pour into him or her. We, we know they're not miracle workers. They're not professional counselors, but they do care about your kids and they do want to serve you and they wanna, they wanna help your kids because they love the Lord and they care about the next generation. And so lastly, part of that rhythm looks like a small group for you as a, as a parent. 
because that's like, a, that's like a support group with other moms and dads who have gone through it, things that they have done, what they have learned, how God has used them. And now, now you've got a plan, right? Now you're connected in, 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 with godly leaders. Now you've got drive time. You've got bedtime. You, you're, you're, you're pouring into your kids consistently. They've got Wednesday night. Now you're in a small group. And now all of a sudden I've got structure in my life that's helping me figure out who God is and what he wants me to do. And it's in that lane that God really can grow your family and he can change your future. So what are these things that we do need to tell them specifically? Right, so he goes into it in Psalm 78. We can look again, but what do we need to tell future generations, right? Specifically, he tells us in verse four, he, he talks about, tell about the glorious deeds of God. And so I, I just say the, the praiseworthy acts of God. We need to tell them what is praiseworthy about God. Essentially, here's what you must worship. Here's what you must worship. Like this is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross for sin. He is creator. He is Lord. He is coming again to take his people with him. Like there will be an end to this world. And, and, and so he loves you, cares for you, wants you to experience life in this world and in the next. And it's to him that we must worship. It's him we must treasure. It's him we must seek. It's him we must understand. Even if you're not a Christian today, even if you don't, you know, you might say, I don't even really believe all of this stuff, but I would just say, why don't you seek? Why don't you dive in? Why don't you just, just okay, if, it's, if, it, if you wanna be honest, just spend some time in the gospels and just read the gospels and just say a powerful prayer. Say, Jesus, if you are real, Open up my heart and eyes and see what he does. He's the one we must worship. He's the one we must turn to. What else does he say? He says, turn their eyes to the power of God. Verse four says his might. In other words, his power. We wanna talk about the power of God. So here's what you must trust. You trust in God. You don't trust in your stuff. You trust in the Lord. You don't trust in money. You trust in God. You don't trust in your own performance and effort. You trust in God because, because there are moments when doctors can't do anything, right? He's the one we trust. He's the one that's in control. And so we look to him. We trust in him. And our kids and the next gen needs this on a constant basis. If we were honest, we all need it. And this is how, who and what he points us to. Number three, he says the truth of God's word. So in verse five, he talks about that, that God gave them a law. Right? So God gave them a law and the law taught them how to live. Right? Here's, here's how we live. Your flesh, your desires, your sin nature is, is gonna lead you to, to do things that are sinful and wrong and gonna bring pain in your life. It's gonna be pain into your kids' lives. But your, your desires are gonna wanna ignore that truth and just go after what you want. And, and so the truth of God's word here reminds us that we, in fact, are to trust his word. Every generation is looking for confidence. Every generation struggles with answer, you know, finding answers to life's questions, right? Even from, from Adam and Eve, we're trying to find you know, significance in, in power and money, in, in, in sexual desires or relationships. We, we look for that, but they all come up empty, Still that hole, that void in our life, we're never successful enough. We, don't, we never have enough money. We always need just a little bit more and then it would be, right? And so he says, we trust in God, not in stuff. 
every, every generation is, is trying to find confidence in something. These generations today are trying to find even more so than mine and previous, they're trying to find confidence in sports. And so they try these sports and they're playing constantly. And even as parents, we're driving them everywhere, right? Why? Because their confidence is, is, is grown through sports, but sports will let you down. It will not bring the ultimate confidence that we need to be successful and to be productive in this world. We have confidence in our social network, but the social following that you have, the likes, the, the retweets that we get, like at the end of the day, it's not authentic community. It will not satisfy. They find confidence in technology, but technology actually fails us in the first service today. I'm, I'm mid-sermon and lightning struck somewhere or something happened and the whole building shut down, like power was out. I was preaching in the dark. <laughs> it was awesome, everybody turned their phones on and I just kept going. So you're not getting out of this until we're done. <laughs> just kidding. So the truth of God's word, verse seven says, remember and keep his command. Right, we need to remember his command. We need to keep his command, not just know it, but actually do it. And then finally, number four, I think he teaches us here, we need to teach them the faithfulness of God. God is faithful to me. God is faithful to you. Even in the midst of adversity, when it seems like he is not around, even when it seems like he's not answering, God is faithful. And so in verse eight, he says, here's how they got it wrong. Here's how the Israelites got it wrong. And for the, for the rest of the chapter, go home and read it today. The rest of the chapter are, are the failures of the Israelite people. And he calls them rebellious and he calls them stubborn. And so what's interesting is that this really is helpful to tell the next gen. The next gen needs to know how we got it wrong. Then it's okay for us to talk to the next generation about how previous generations, even though they were great, in many ways, got a lot of things wrong and they messed up. I don't know about you, but my kids are always like they're fishing for ways that I messed up in my life. Like they're asking my dad, like, what was he like in high school? What did he do? You know, because they always want, they always want to, you know, say if they mess up, they're, they're quick to say stuff like, well, you did this. You know, I remember this story. I'm like, shut up. I, you know. <laughs> so. Well, what's helpful is an appropriate amount of information, right? But it is helpful for us to talk about how previous generations got it wrong. Talk about my grandfather. I can talk about, you know, some of the issues that he had. But I can also talk about some of the issues that I had, some of the ways in which I was a knucklehead and I messed up. And, and, and so by sharing that, we're able to say, yeah, you know, here's how I got it wrong. And, and if we can see them as a solution, if we can see them as being able to change and flip the script, then we can begin to say this lesson will help you kind of prevent you from making the similar or the same mistakes. And I find over and over again in church, we're so afraid of our story. We're afraid because we don't want people to know how we've messed up. And I understand that there's fear in that, but at the same time, your story is a big way of how God's gonna use you impact the next generation. 
We talk about recycling pain, right? How do we recycle pain? Well, we, we go through painful situations in our life, but as we mature through that, as we grow through that, we're able to forgive, we're able to release bitterness, and then as we do that, we become healthy. Now we can learn from those mistakes, and, and then as we work through that, now we can go to a young person and say, let me, let me tell you my story. Here's, here's how I blew it, here's how it hurt me, but God wasn't finished, and God's not gonna be finished with you either. He's still working, why? He's faithful. He's faithful no matter what you've done. And when we pour into the next gen in this way, God changes their life, right? And I want you to see how some of their lives have been changed today. Let's take a look at this video. I love FC just because of the culture of community that we have here and I love that our pastors aren't afraid of like the controversial topics here and they really prepare us as teens and young adults to be able to go out into the world and into our schools and really lo live like Christ would. It gives us an opportunity to come closer to God and when we get excited to come on uh, Sundays to FC, the sermons that are preached just have touched me and my family's hearts. And we love FC because we get plugged in at base camp, camp two, camp three, the journey process, and then we get to serve, and which I serve in FC Kids, and I just love that because I love making kids smile, and it's just a great experience. Coming here as a family, it's impacted me personally because my family uh, obviously comes here, so I got to really grow with my family and my brothers and my dad and my mom and we've all just grown as a family in faith in Christ, and I just love that so much. When I was 12, I uh, got saved from being at Coastal. My first Coastal experience really just changed me up, changed my life. It really just hit hit me at home, and then I got saved there, and then I came to one time service here, and then I told my small group leader that I just wanted to get baptized, and so when they first opened the new building, I was the, one of the first people to get baptized in that new building. Well, in sixth grade, my friend Miley invited me, and then after a few weeks of coming, I invited my parents to come. Foothills has influenced my family by getting us all connected and plugged in through base camp. And after base camp, we've all been able to serve and serve in our own ways, which is really great. My stepdad had started attending before we did, and then after my mom and him got married, we all started coming as a family, and now we're all involved with small groups here on Wednesday nights as well as on Sundays, and they've just, they've started serving on Wednesdays and have gone through the journey, and now just as a family, we've grown together. My favorite leaders are probably my small group leaders because they've just, like, been so, giving me so much, like, help, and they're just, like, such great mentors. I feel like I can tell them more than I can tell my dad sometimes. And they're like emotional support and just like great people to talk to as like another father because they have kids of their own. My favorite leaders are Hannah and Delane because they're my small group leaders. And they've helped me through a lot of rough times and they've brought me closer to Jesus. I would probably have to say my favorite leader is a small group leader, Doug. He's a great leader, he's a great small group leader, he's a great person because he's really helped me in a time of brokenness, in a time of struggles, and he's been kept with me uh, all through sixth grade now till a freshman, and he's helped me in tremendous ways of 
reaching out to God, what can I do better in my life, what my purpose is, how I can connect with God better, all those great things, so yeah. Let's give it up for those kids, they did great. Yeah. What I love about what they shared is that it wasn't, you know, their favorite leader isn't Pastor Trent or even Pastor Alex, or it was their small group leader. Why? Because their small group leaders are, are day-to-day with them and investing in them. They make such a huge impact in their life. And these small group leaders that they mentioned, some, yes, are in their 20s, uh, but yes, some are in their 60s. And so there's a, there's a range. You don't have to be young to invest in the next generation. And sometimes we, we let that hold us back. And so what do we do? When we look at this passage, when we look at you know, uh, Titus 2, 2 Timothy 2, it says older men should be training younger men. It says older women should be investing and training younger women. What do we do with that, right? How do we land the plane here today? If the next gen matters, then I think it kind of falls into this. Like we gotta decide to engage on some front, like in some way. Like maybe you can't walk out of here today and, and do everything I've mentioned, but is there one thing you could start doing? Is there one commitment you could make you know, could, could, you, could you step into that, right? Could you, could you engage in some way? And Okay, here's some ideas. You could, you could pray, right? You could pray. I thought it was gonna come up. <laughs> you could pray. You could, you could actually take time every week to pray for the next gen. You could give, like when you're giving here, like you may not be a small group leader, but when you give, you're actually allowing those who are doing that to be able to, to, to do that. And so I know some of you guys are older, you're, you're, you're like, well, I can't really, I'm not gonna really serve there, but God has blessed me financially. And, and uh, here's the reality. If you're older, if you're like a baby boomer, there are probably other churches you would feel more comfortable in, you know, maybe the lights and the music or whatever else. And you're like, eh, but you know what you're doing by being here? You're saying the next gen matters because I'm investing into a place that's actually reaching them for the kingdom, right? And that's a big deal. And um, we, all, we all know young families tend not to have a lot of financial blessing, right? It usually happens later in life. And so as you give, you're making a huge difference here. And then finally, you could go, you could invest, you could be a small group leader. You could actually be a small group leader for our kids' ministry. We've got new space over there and, and that means new rooms and yeah, we need more volunteers. That'd be fantastic. And maybe it's a Wednesday night deal. You, you could pray, you could give, you could, you could invest or two, you could empty your cup. So what does that mean? Well, empty your cup simply means like, you can't like fill my cup. I can't fill your cup. I'm called to empty mine. And so I'm called to invest what I know. I'm called to invest in, in, in what God has done in my life into others, I can pour that out into somebody else's life. And so our calling and what you could do is just empty your cup, right? That's a different way to look at it. Or, or thirdly, you, you could focus on the end result. So if you're in the grind as a parent, if you're a small group leader, you know, sometimes the 15 year old rant and rave discourages you and you think that you're a terrible parent. Well, because they actually say you're a terrible parent, <laughs> but you're not. You gotta focus on the end result, right? You focus on the end result, what you're investing today, the plan that you are working and moving in today will result in a completely different child. This is a phase that they are in. They will grow out of that phase. And so 
It's my encouragement for you. Like when we say the next gen matters, like I really believe our next gen ministries are incredible. We've got incredible people there. We invest financially into those ministries. We care about those ministries because we believe God's called us to do it. And I hope that you'll join us. Let's pray together. God, we are, we are humbled that you would allow us to be a part of your great work and your great ministry of building and raising the next generation. And so no matter who we are in the room today or watching today, God, that we would be passionate, that we would be focused, and we would, we would take our next step to invest in the next generation in whatever way you're calling us to right here and right now. God, we wanna make a difference. We wanna leave a spiritual lasting legacy, but we need our heart changed. And so would you do that today? Would you begin to grow us today? Would you, would you allow us to experience you in a more powerful way today? God, we love you. And we ask your continued blessing upon our ministries here at Foothills Church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.